0: Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, I'm just so glad that you're here today and so glad that you've joined us for uh, this service today. Uh, Man, I'm telling you, my wife preached a storm last week. She preached up a storm. It was a phenomenal word, um, you know, just bless her wherever you are in the comment sections. just tell her that you love her. Uh, but she was just phenomenal last week. She brought uh, the grace and truth in such a beautiful way. And we're so, I'm so grateful uh, that Kelsey brought that word. So I wanna encourage you today to apply this word. This is a phenomenal word. We're gonna go deep today. I'm gonna to teach from God's word, And I want to encourage you to apply this word because it will change your life. So are you ready? Let's do it. Open your Bibles to Psalm 24 and we'll read from verse 1. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. That word waters... Over there means rivers. Verse 3 Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. Verse 7 says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up. You everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of Hosts. He is the King of Glory. Today, I want to focus my message from verse from on, on verses three to five, uh, three to six, and <clears throat> we'll take it from there. The title of my message today is the pure in heart. And David's asking the question here today. He's saying, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The two two positions that he's talking about. The holy place and who may ascend to the hill of the Lord. And he begins to give the description of who qualifies to get to that place. He says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. I'm going to repeat that again. He says, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He who has clean hands and a pure, and a pure heart, Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, his salvation. Now, David, God testifies of David, and he says that David was a man after my own heart. And David, a lot of times we see David, although he was running for his life, his heart was focused on. God's desire. What was God's desire for Israel? What was God's desire for his life? And so that's why he was called, God calls him a man after my own heart. But you see over here, he's saying there is a blessing that is received. God blesses the one who ascends to the hill of the Lord and stands in his holy place. There are two positions that David is talking about. Now he's talking, he's talking about the past. He's also talking about his present and he's also talking about a future generation. All right, we must understand what David is trying to say to us. He's saying that there is a Group of people, there is a generation, there is a person who ascends to the hill of the Lord. Where have we seen this? We've seen this in the book of Exodus over the past few weeks, where Moses, as an individual, would ascend up the mountain to meet with God, and when he ascends to the mountain, he speaks to God, face to face, and then he comes back down the mountain. And so David is saying, who ascends the hill of the Lord? Who stands in the presence, in the holy presence of God? And he says, he who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has not sworn deceitfully, and who has not lifted up his soul to another idol. There are four things that he's talking about. And so we must understand that in order, now he is in the Old Testament, he's not in the New Covenant, he's in the Old Testament and he's talking about Moses, he's talking about who qualifies to stand in the presence of God, who qualifies to ascend to the holy place of God, right? And he's he's saying, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not sworn deceitfully and or who has not lifted up his soul to an, an idol. Now, He's saying this person who ascends to the hill of the Lord, who ascends into the presence of God, who is an ascended master, is the one who receives a blessing from the Lord. He's not talking about the one who does the will of God. He's talking about the one who ascends to the, will, to the to the hill of the Lord, the one who stands in the presence of God. So David is saying, it's not about your obedience now, it's about the one who stands in the presence of God, the one who loves the presence of God, who loves the, the, the place where God dwells. He is the one who receives a blessing. For the longest time, we've always desired a blessing from God but we've not desired the blesser and David is bringing us back he's bringing us back to saying listen it's not about about the blessing yes you will get blessed blessing is a byproduct of being righteous with God he's talking about desiring seeking the face of God seeking God brings the the blessing to you and then he goes on to describe who is that person Now mind you, he's he's still in the Old Testament. And he says, Jacob, Israel, a generation who seeks the face of God is the one who ascends to the holy place. Now he's prophesying. He's talking about the past where God has a desire for, for Israel to be one with him, but also he's prophesying of a generation to come who will who as a generation will be ascend, will ascend to the hill of the Lord, will ascend and, and stand in the holy place of God's presence. And so David is saying, he's saying, this is Jacob. He's pointing to Israel. He's pointing to Israel, that generation that was in the wilderness. And he's saying, this is is Jacob, the generation of him, of those who will seek him, who will seek your face. You know, I've met many Christians in my life in ministry. And oftentimes, from all the conversations that we've had, there's a, there's a thread that, that goes through most of the conversations and and it sounds something like this you know pastor john you know i've been saved for a long time i've given my life to jesus i've done everything that god has asked me i've i've been obedient i've given my tithe i've given my offerings i've i've dressed the right way i've come to church i've gone to life group i've got, i've sent my kids to the kids church i've done everything that you've asked me to do I've, I've done everything that god has asked me to do but somehow i don't i'm not seeing the blessing of god in my life I'm not seeing these blessings that God has promised me, and somehow I feel like like God has just forgotten about me. I, I've been faithful to Him for so many years. I've been obedient to every word that He's spoken for so many years, but somehow, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm sick in my body, and my you know my parents are sick, and you know, the, I don't have any money, and all these things. Somehow, my obedience seems to be. Uh, with God but somehow the blessing seems to be evading my life so oftentimes because we want a blessing we do things in order to be blessed and receive favor from God and Christians have been caught in this cycle that they think that because uh, of their obedience that God blesses them that because of the obedience that God favors them, and I, and I want to I want to let you know today that that that's just one half obedience. I'm not saying obedience is bad, uh, but I'm saying obedience is good. But but God wants to reveal His heart in a in a deeper His desire today in a deeper way to us, so that we understand that it's not just about obedience that brings the blessing. Because when we think about about getting receiving a blessing and and obedience. We have positioned ourselves to obey because we want a blessing, not obey because we are blessed. Or I, I'm going to obey God's word because I need favor from God. When we are in the new creation, the new creation in Christ Jesus has has the has the the mind that is renewed. That they are already blessed. Ephesians chapter one and verse three says that. That God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. It's very important that you understand that. That we are not blessed outside of Christ. We are blessed in Christ. Christ is, is is the alabaster box, so to say. And we are in Christ receiving the blessing that God has given to Christ. So when 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 the new creation, we we don't be, we don't obey God just because we want a blessing, or because we want favor. Pastor, please pray for me. You are favored, Pastor. You know God listens to what you say. Yeah, for sure He listens to what I say because I have the understanding that I am blessed. I am seated in heavenly places. I am I'm a, I am am a co heir with Christ. And what I say when when God says speak, I speak from His heart. That's why. It, things move. But when we understand that we, we, we come to, to God and we say, God, bless us. God, give me a blessing. God, increase the blessing on my life. How much more do you want to increase? God has released every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places to us. It's already done. There's no more blessing for us. We, but the issue is that we are not seeing the manifestation of these blessings in our life. See, we must understand that in the doctrine of grace, in the gospel of grace, God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ. All of us have been reconciled to Christ, but redemption is our choice. Reconciliation is a work of grace, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't our work that that brought us closer to God. It was what Christ has done that brought us closer to, to, to God as a father. But redemption of your bodies, redemption of your life, the transformation of your life is your choice. We can say, God bless us, bless us, bless us. He's already blessed us. It's grace. He's already blessed us. He's already favored us. But in order for you to manifest the blessing in your life, that blessing, that transformation comes through the renewing of your mind redemption of the body it takes place redemption of your life redemption of all of creation takes place by the renewing of your mind with the word of Christ so when your mind is renewed with the word of God when your mind is renewed by by revelation yes that's when you begin your body begins to experience what we call redemption redemption is your work God won't do it for you. What he has done is reconciliation. God has reconciled all of creation to himself in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ Jesus, you are reconciled with God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ Jesus, you are not righteous. So if you are in Christ Jesus, you are righteous before God. God doesn't have a problem with you. He has, you have peace with God. But now, in order for you to manifest this Christ-likeness in your life, you've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. If you renew your mind with the Word of God, then you, your body begins to react according to the renewal of your mind. That is how you redeem your body from death. Please understand what I'm saying. That God did not create your body for it to die when God created man he said it was good he said he was good which means there was no death in the body so if God's intention for mankind was that man should live and not die can you imagine we are making the choice to die now some people might have a revelation that that says that hey listen I want to get saved and I want to go to heaven I'm not going to stop you from going to heaven Heaven's a beautiful place but at the same time, I would be very sad to stand before God and, 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 and God show me what the potential of my life was and why it, I cut my life short by my own choice, by saying I want to go to heaven. The purpose that God has for my life, if he begins to show you and reveal to you how much you would have done in your life, but you chose to go early, that's, that's something that we need to think about. Because I don't want to stand before God and and God show me, look at what you could have done. The potential that your life had, but you chose to come to heaven, not a problem. Heaven's a beautiful place. But at the same time, redemption of our body is our choice. So how does it work? Now, Now just imagine healing in the body is redemption. When, when cancer cells begin to die in your body and healthy cells begin to grow in your body is redemption your body is being redeemed your flesh is being redeemed why? it's because 2000 years ago Jesus died on the cross and he took cancer he took all your sickness all your sin all your disease on that cross so if you allow your mind to be renewed by that if you allow your mind to be, to be, to be filled by that that you are not sick but you are healed. Health is your portion because Jesus took your sickness on the cross 2000 years ago that means that tells your body your body now will begin to manifest perfect health according to the renewing of your mind a lot of times people accept the doctor's report rather than the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord is older than any doctor's report but yet we still choose to believe the report of the doctor But if we only put our faith, we allow our mind, if God says that you are healed, that's it, that settles it. But yet, you can nullify the word of God in your life by believing and allowing your mind to be filled by the report of a man. What you believe is what you will manifest. If you believe God's word, You will redeem your body from dying to everlasting life. God's promise is that he who believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. He's not talking about perishing in heaven. He's talking about a body that will perish on earth. If God has promised you life, then that life comes from the word. He is the source of life so if you fill your mind with the word of god and you allow your mind to be renewed by the word of god guess what every single cell in your body will begin to vibrate with the energy of elohim because that's exactly what is what is in this word the energy of elohim begins to fill you and it will begin to make you divine the the uh, humanity the hope for humanity is divinity divinity is your portion for you to live like god would live on the earth he wants for you to live he wants for your body to experience what jesus experiences in his body so if you want to manifest blessings and stop stop running after blessings no man can give you blessings that god has already given to you it's foolish to believe that a man has more power than god has That a man, his word has the power to bless you more than God does. See, the issue is that we don't have a direct relationship, a heart-to-heart relationship with God our Father. We need another person to represent us. We need another person. You speak to God, Pastor. You pray for me, Pastor. You only do that. Reconciliation is God's choice, which is grace, redemption is man's choice transformation ladies and gentlemen is a work from grace this is very powerful transformation in your life is a work from grace it is not a work for grace you don't experience more grace by by the renewing of your mind you understand that hey i am in grace today I have received the grace of God in my life. And it is from that place, He gives me the grace to transform my life. So every time you receive the word of God, embedded in the word of God is His grace. When you renew your mind with His word, you're also filling your mind with His grace. His ability to manifest divinity in your life. This is very powerful. God gives you His ability, His power, to manifest Christ in and through your life. This is what God wants for us to do. But it all starts with a desire for him. It all starts with a heart, a pure heart for him. See, God said, David says to to, to the people, who may ascend this holy hill? Who may stand in the presence of God? He who has a clean heart, clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. And who has not sworn deceitfully. Now he's talking about Jacob. He's talking about Israel. Have Israel done these four things? No. They failed at all of them. But yet God would constantly pursue them. God rescued them out of Egypt. Because he wanted to have a relationship. A heart to heart relationship with his people. I want to show this to you in Exodus chapter 19. If you could go to Exodus chapter 19. This is such a beautiful story that would, would show you God's heart in such an awesome way. <clears throat> I want to read from verse 3 uh, till verse 8. <clears throat> and it says this, And Moses, now remember, David was saying, Who ascends to God? right that's the one who's blessed okay now Israel they don't want to go up the mountain okay so Moses will go up the mountain and so verse 3 says and Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain okay please imagine just think now Moses went up to the mountain and the Lord called him Moses went up, which means Moses made the choice to go up the mountain, and then the Lord called him. This is beautiful. and, And the Lord called to him from the mountain, which means God was in the mountain waiting for Moses. And Moses had this desire for God. He was like, God, what is on your heart for your people? God, where do you want us to go next? God, we're in the wilderness. Yeah, for sure, but God, I want to know what is on your heart. And so when Moses went up to God, the Lord called him from the mountain. And he said, thus, saying, saying, called him from the mountain saying, thus, you shall say to the house of Jacob, same thing David was talking about, and tell the children of Israel. Okay? <laughs> Just think now. He's saying, I want you to, to uh, say to the house of Jacob. Who is Jacob? Jacob is the father of, Right, whose name became Israel, and then he had sons. So he's saying, Talk to the elders, the sons of Jacob, right? And and to their offspring, and the children of Israel. Right? Verse 4 You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Brought you to myself. Where were they? Wilderness. But he's saying, "I brought you to myself." You see, his heart—his heart—it's not about the external environment; it's about his heart for you and me. And he, here, here, God is bearing his heart before Moses, and he's saying, "Listen, I br- look, just remember the things that I did for you, but I brought you to myself." Verse five. Now, therefore. If you will indeed. Now I want you to pay attention to what God is saying. This is very, very critical. And if you don't pay attention, you might miss it. Okay. So he says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people. For All the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, I I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. This God speaking to Moses is before the Ten Commandments. This is not even at the Ten Commandments moment. It's before the Ten Commandments. So before, now I thought and I said that the Ten Commandments were a work of grace. This is God's work and he put it on two tablets and gave it to Moses that the people rejected. But even before that, even before the commandments of grace came, God came to, to his people with a covenant. And he says this, Now therefore, if you will indeed Obey my voice, and keep my covenant. This is powerful. If you indeed obey my voice, so he's talking about obedience, but also keeping my covenant. What's a covenant, ladies and gentlemen? A covenant is a um, is something that two people agree to be faithful towards. It's something that, uh, that, that, um, that people, let's say two people come in, in, in agreement about something and they make a covenant to be faithful to one another more than their faithfulness to other people. That's a covenant. And here we see God is making a covenant with Israel. Now, now for example, marriage is a covenant. The, the wedding ceremony is not the marriage, The marriage is a covenant that two people come together to keep. The the, the husband and wife will will be faithful to one another more than anybody else or anything else. More than social media, the husband and the wife will be faithful to one another. More than their cell phones, more than their jobs, more than their careers, more than the children, more than the parents, more than the aunties, uncles and society and culture. Two shall leave and become one flesh. That is a covenant where two people live to serve one another. They're faithful to one another. But this is not an external act. This is an internal heart attitude. A covenant is something that is made from the heart. And we see that God is coming to Israel who were slaves in Egypt and they come they, he says hey I'm going to give you the promised land. Come with me, follow my voice. Come with me. I'm going to make a covenant with you. He's putting out his heart and he's saying, "Listen, I want to make a covenant with you." This is phenomenal because he says if i if he keeps a covenant with you he's saying i will be faithful to you above everybody else it's like a husband and wife he's he's coming together to two people can you imagine God saying to a person I want to make a covenant with you he's saying I will be faithful to you more than anybody else on the planet but you will be my special treasure you will be a holy nation you will be a kingdom of priests you will be a special treasure to me to me he's not talking about anybody else he's saying you will be a special treasure to me Moses go tell the people this I want them to know my heart towards them Moses goes to the people verse 7 Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him now look at Israel verse 8 pay attention okay you have to pay attention because you can miss it. But I'm believing that you are a smart church and you will get it. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Right. So Moses brought back the words of the people people to the Lord and the Lord says to Moses behold I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever okay the full drama happening right now okay (laughs) it is a very dramatic scene to me when i read the bible it's full of drama like i it's like oh my gosh how could you have missed it like i've missed it so many times but that's absolutely okay because god is revealing his word to us today when god let's let's just say god made a proposal to israel he 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 proposes like a like a bridegroom he's proposing to Israel his bride and he's saying hey listen i want to make a covenant with you I, and you know i'll be faithful to you you'll be faithful to me this is apart from obedience if you obey my voice and keep my covenant not my commandments not the law my covenant, my heart. If you would would have a heart-to-heart relationship with me, not a servant to master, but a a bride and a bridegroom. As as lovers, we we would stay faithful to one another, right? So Israel says, all that the Lord has spoken, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Israel chose obedience over heart to heart covenant. Whew, this is this is to me this is the juiciest steak I could ever eat from the word. This is meat. Come on now. He says all that the Lord has spoken we will do which means Israel chose obedience over covenant. What is a covenant? They could have just said, Yes, we will do what God has spoken and we will keep His covenant. Finished. That was the end of it. That could have been like, Wow, celebration, let's throw a party. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's it. Finished. Now, Israel chosen to be the bride of Christ, chosen to be the bride of God, chosen to be one with God, now is in the place where she's experiencing tremendous favor, oh my God, tremendous favor over every other nation of the world. How amazing is that? But yet, because they were slaves, they came out of slavery, They wanted the blessing of the promised land. You said you would give us the promised land. Where's the promised land? Where's the blessing? Where's the favor? Where's the miracle money? Where's the healing? Where, 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 where? And God is saying, hey, listen, before you experience any of that, let's talk about our heart. Let's talk about a purity that comes from being faithful to one another. Let you and I be faithful. I'll make a covenant with you, you be faithful to me, and I'll be faithful to you. And then you can hear my voice and you can do what I tell you to do. And in that place, you would be my special treasure. Ah, come on, Israel. And then listen to this. He goes to the one who pursues him, who goes up the mountain. And he says, This he makes the covenant with Moses. He says, Behold, I come to you. This is verse 9. I come to you, Moses, not to the people. I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. That's powerful. The man who had clean hands and a pure heart, the one who would constantly approach God, the one. Now listen, Moses wasn't a saint. He was a murderer. He was a stammerer, liar. He also mixed up stories, things that God told him. He he didn't exactly say the same thing to the people. But at the same time, there was something about him that God loved. And that was, he was pursuing God's heart he was pursuing God's presence further on he says God if your presence does not go with us we're not going to go he was a man after God's own heart was David uh, 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 he was an adulterer murderer his hands were dirty with the blood of people but yet God says he was a man after my own heart and that's why he was blessed what is it about these two guys that God really loved God spoke to Moses as a friend would speak to a friend, face to face. Come on, in, 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 his, in the law he says, no one can see the face of God and live. But Moses, hello, he's seeing the face of God and living. How come he gets this special favor but the people don't? You know why? Because the people chose to be obedient and not pursue the heart. See, a lot of Christians, you know, I come across a lot of Christians who are in church today and who do this. Pastor, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. To the T, I will do it. Only if my pastor says I will do it. No, come on, man. It, you, you, it's, it's a beautiful place to be in. It's a, it's a great place to be in, in that kind of obedience. But if your heart is not in covenant with your pastor you will get blessed. Trust me, Israel was blessed because of obedience. They were blessed, but they could not maintain the blessing. They could not steward the blessing. They could not, the blessing did not increase from glory to glory, strength to strength, grace to grace, truth to truth. It did not increase. It did not grow in abundance. They never experienced the abundance only because they chose obedience over covenant. And the Lord is presenting to us a revelation today. He's presenting to us that we have been given a covenant. You can either choose obedience to God or you can choose a covenant and be obedient to God. Powerful. You can either choose obedience and there is a blessing with it. But your relationship with God is not a relationship from a pure heart. And God is looking for people who have pure hearts. You know, I'll tell you something. You can be obedient without the heart involved. You can get the things done, but your heart will be so far away. People, you know, people who who, who obey their pastors because they're pastors, not because they love their pastors, will, will receive a blessing but they won't be able to grow in that blessing. You won't be able to mature in that blessing. You'll have a temporary blessing, but but not a long-term relationship. you like temporary. Uh, Yeah, you know, after a while of being obedient, being obedient, being obedient, you're choosing to be a slave when God has set you free. But you can be in covenant with your pastor, you can be in covenant with your life coaches, you can be in covenant with your leaders, uh, you can be in covenant with your with your mom and dad. Let me let me let me tell you something. You know, I am guilty of this as much as anybody else. You know, parents, you think your children are being obedient to you when you tell them what to do. <laughs> go mow the lawn, go do the dishes, go do the laundry. And they're like, "Okay, okay, one day I'll leave this house." And then, you know, I then I'll show you <laughs> right? man I'm telling you even I said it and I'm, I'm guilty of it you know today I understand that the blessing you know God in his commandments he says honor your father and mother because long life is your portion if you honor your mother and father And, and uh, like you know we, we so hot blooded we, we think we know it all and we're teenagers and the world revolves around us no it doesn't revolve around you the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof but parents, I want to encourage you that just because your children listen to you doesn't mean their heart is for you. Because I'll tell you, a child whose heart is in covenant with you, a pure heart, you tell them once and they, will, they know your heart, what you want, and they will keep doing it until you say stop. Those are the ones. You say, hey, go mow the lawn. And the first time you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm going to go mow the lawn. <laughs> and you, or do the dishes, because, you know, we don't have lawns. Anyway, do the dishes. And you say, yeah, yeah, today I'll go do the dishes, but tomorrow is not my turn. It's her turn. She has to do it. If you have sister. she has to do it. You know, well, we should have these turns. No, it, it, it just means that you don't have a heart. You don't have your mom and dad's heart. I want to encourage parents and children to to. To grow in covenant before you have obedience. We must embrace that. Even in church, grow in covenant with one another. Don't don't feel forced to go for life group. Don't feel forced that your kids should be forced to go to, to a kid's church. Don't feel forced to come to our church also. Because if you don't, then you know pastor might... Don't don't have any fear. No, seriously. We're in in a culture of grace where we trust your conscience. Your conscience will reveal the truth to you. Your conscience will tell you exactly where you're at. And if you're forced to come to church because you think that people are going to put pressure on you, then your relationship with God is not a heart-to-heart relationship with God. Uh, Go to Mark 7 and we'll read from um, the first verse. Then the Pharisees... now. Just remember that the Jews, the Israelites chose obedience over relationship, over heart, over covenant. Okay, So now every time they lived a life of such obedience that anything outside of that obedience was corrected or killed or was thrown out. All right, and so now the Pharisees—you must uh, must understand this—that the, the way the Jews lived in those days, the Israelites lived in those days—is that that outwardly they need to show holiness to God. So they would have evil hearts; they would have—they uh, would—they'd they, get up to all the nonsense the whole year, and once a year they will bring—they will work hard to bring that spotless lamb. The lamb has to be spotless. The offering has to be perfect. If it's not perfect, God will reject me. Do you understand? But internally, they are all a mess. But yet, once a year, they would come to God with a perfect offering and they would receive a blessing and it would last a year. Okay? So that's the mindset that they had. I just want to obey God because I need that blessing so if you're a christian and you are following that principle i'm asking you to change your ways all right then verse 1 mark 7 then the pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from jerusalem now listen to this now very carefully now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is unwashed hands, they found fault. Some people listening to this message today, all my messages in the past have been listening to find fault. I want to tell you that I found some like you in the Bible. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is unwashed hands, they found fault. The reason why they found fault is because they are so conscious of sin on the inside. They're not conscious of grace and truth and redemption. They are conscious that God has, has reconciled the world to Himself. People today, Christians, are more conscious of sin than they're conscious of the, of the revelation of grace in their mind. And so now, every time you find fault with another Christian or another person who is not saved in the king who, who's not yet saved into the kingdom of God, you should be asking yourself the question: why? Have you noticed that it is a sin? Hello, mic drop. Why have you noticed, why do you think that that's a sin? When sin was abolished on the cross. Oh, come on. It's a good day today a good day today why have you now all of a sudden in church if a girl wears a wears a wears a slightly off shoulder top and comes to church all of a sudden now you're walking around saying well that she's a sinner oh well that, you know making all these kind of statements how come now you have decided that that person is a sinner unless you are conscious that God has told you not to wear those tops and God has told you because of your heart being evil and your heart being messed up and your lens being messed up your conscience has now is now pricking you saying that this is a problem and now you're pointing fingers at somebody else when that person god is giving them the permission he's giving them the freedom to dress as they please but for you finding fault for the pharisees and all the jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way I think there was the COVID-19 happening during those seasons as well. (laughs) Holding the tradition of the elders. So the tradition of the elders was they had to wash their hands a certain way before they eat food. Okay? It's very interesting. Verse 4. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash So a lot of washing and there are many other things like they have received and hold like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. Couches is in the Bible. They wash the couches before when they come back from the marketplace. So you must understand what, what kind of a mindset these people have. They want to be so obedient to God that everything that they have in their life cannot defile the outside. But on the inside, there's a different story. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders but eat bread with unwashed hands? This is so phenomenal they have the audacity to ask grace why his disciples are not living according to the law phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so jesus answered and said well did isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites i'm reading the bible i'll read it again well did isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written This people, listen to me very carefully, this people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Remember what God came to give them? He came to give them a covenant of heart to heart. And they chose obedience over a covenant and so Isaiah's prophesying now Jesus is repeating Isaiah's prophetic word and he says these people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teachings teaching as doctrines the commandments of men okay I'm going to repeat that again because you need to understand they're teaching in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Which means commandments of men have become more important and they're taught as doctrines rather than the commandments of God. Very important. Well, tradition is one of them tradition he's they're saying hey tradition and instruction of the elders and and these things you must do otherwise god will not accept you Otherwise, god you are cursed and all that kind of stuff you know we, i've seen this in in the church for as long as i've lived i've seen people w- worship god with their traditions and the instruction of men and the commandments of men thinking that god is going to bless them but your worship is in vain for example, where does the Bible say, where does God say that you have to dress white when you, go in, when you go to church on Sunday? Why do you have to wear white? If you don't wear white, God is not going to bless you. And you're not holy. If you don't wear white, if you don't come to church, if you don't cover your head, I mean, all these things. I've, I've seen, uh, I've experienced churches where if you don't wear a suit to church, then you are not, a Christian, if you, it's like it's like a guy who 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 who's a, who was who a hippie gets saved, long hair, t- tattoos, you know, beads on on his arm and all that kind of stuff. He comes, he comes to church and he sings. He loves rock and roll music and he gets saved. And they take that guy as he is and they hammer him and hammer him and hammer him till he becomes like like one of them. They put on a tie, they put on a shirt and they put on trousers and they get him to fit into something that is not a commandment from God. See, there's an issue, and we think that that is acceptable in the church, and we think that that is acceptable to God. When God, when was the last time God said, dress up in white when you go to church? When was the last time God said, dress up in a suit? When was the last time that God said, hey listen, wash your hands before you eat? When was the last time God was more interested in your dress code in church than the state of your heart? See, the the issue is that there's a consciousness of sin in the church. There's a consciousness of sin amongst pastors and leaders and, and mothers and fathers so that now the elders of the church have to keep everybody in discipline. Hello, these people are probably disciplined in front of you but when they go behind your back, they're just being themselves. And you know what? God found them. God found these people in the worst situation and he loved them. He loved them. He didn't reject them. He loved these people as they are. I would, and, I'm, and I know I'm going to get a backlash for saying this, I would rather have an alcoholic sitting with a bottle of beer or, or whiskey in my church and listening to the word of God than him sitting in a bar and listening to some music. I would rather have that person listening to the word of God and his conscience being formed by the word of God and his conscience telling him to give it up and the Holy Spirit telling him to give up his alcohol than him listening to me preach him and try to tell him and force him to change his ways. Just because a girl wears a short skirt to church or or, or tight jeans in church doesn't mean that she's a sinner. It's just that sin, the knowledge of sin exists on the inside of you and it's become a lens and that's the only way that you're seeing people. And you've got to come into a place where you understand, I cannot judge someone when God did not judge me. When God looked at me in my pitiful state and he loved me and he was merciful to me, We've got to be merciful to people around us. We've got to love people around us. We've got to accept them. Now you might say, well, John, you're a pastor and are you you saying that people are allowed to drink and smoke and do whatever they want to do? I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't do. It's not my place. My name is not G-O-D and neither is is your name, G-O-D. We don't come up with the rules and regulations. We have a covenant I'm faithful to God I'm faithful if God tells me not to drink I'm not going to even look at it why? it's not because I'm trying to be obedient to him it's because I love him I don't look at another woman because I'm faithful to my wife I'm faithful with my eyes I'm faithful with my body I'm faithful with how I dress To, to honor my wife I, I live because of that covenant I don't, I don't live because I want to make an impression With people, hello We've come so far From covenant with God And we think it's okay That you know yeah, oh, They have to change They have to become like, like me they have been, No, we, we, we've lost it They have to become like Christ. Our responsibility as elders is to give the word. And our responsibility is to trust the generation that is after us, not to force them to do things. Jesus addresses it so phenomenally. He says, these people, they come to me in church dressed in white, covered, acting all holy, but the minute they get out of church, they're totally different. Being all together. I would rather you be who you are outside in the church than be somebody else in the church and pretend. And then five years down the line come to me and say, Pastor, I've been obedient to God. I eat everything He told me I did. And now but no blessing, no profit, no no, no job, no nothing is happening in my life. Well, that's the reason why nothing is happening in your life is because we trusted you to receive the word and apply it in your life. We trust people. I would rather have an environment of trust than an environment that forces people to do things. So Jesus is saying, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And then he he goes a little more deeper. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. You... We, as Christians, we, we think that, oh my God, you know, if I, if I don't go to church, the pastor's going to get angry. We're not thinking, man, I'm going to miss an encounter with God. You know, I tell you, our church is phenomenal. They absolutely love being in church. We've told our people, we don't have membership. We don't have any of those forms that you sign, uh, that you commit to me, commit to me. Or you have to give all your tithe and offering. No, we, we don't do that. If you want to do something, you want to come to our church, it should be a choice that you make. You want to stay in our church, it's a choice that you have to make. It's your choice. Because redemption is your choice. Our choice is to provide a service where we serve the ones who want to be there. You have not signed a contract with me. Jesus has signed a contract with his father. We're all in Christ. And so he goes on to say this. You hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups. See, he notices these things. God notices what you're doing. You're faithful to your tradition and not faithful to him. Washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Wow. And then he goes on to say, for Moses said, not the Lord, Moses said, honor your father and mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban that is a gift to god then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother making the word of god no effect through your traditions which you have handed down and many such things you do what's he saying he's saying listen moses said god said honor your father and mother that you may live. It's a commandment. If you read the Ten Commandments, he says, honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land. So long life is the blessing that comes from honoring your father and mother. Moses says, if you don't honor your father and mother, right? He who curses his father and mother, right, will be put to death. But then these guys, they bring out a a sort of a. Um, they, they, they sort of create a tradition out of the commandments. It's not the commandment, but it's a tradition out of the commandments. Now, where, where did God talk about cleansing, ceremonial cleansing? He spoke about it in the tabernacle. When they come to the tabernacle, there's a laver where they wash. they say ceremonial cleansing. But these guys take all the pots, the pans, the couches, the dogs, the cats, the cows, everything, including themselves, every time they go out to the market and come back, they're having a bath. You, you understand? They take something that God has said and they make it legalistic. They make it in such a way where now they're walking around the market and they're looking. Who's not washing hands? Look. That one's not... Look at that brother. Hey, wash your hand, man. God will punish you. But God's like, dude, uh, <laughs> you eat whatever you want, man. You wash your hands, you don't wash your hands, it's up to you. You decide what, how you want to redeem your body, how you want to value your body. He gives you that choice. And then here is so amazing how Jesus puts it to them. He says, You say, Moses says, honor your father and mother. But if you don't, you'll be put to death. But you say, if I give to, listen to me, if I give to God, then and then I don't have to give to my parents. That's basically what he's saying if I give an offering to God and I serve God then I don't have to serve my parents so in essence God is saying Jesus is saying that by doing following your tradition you are nullifying a blessing that comes from the commandment of God (sighs) wow I want you to go to to verse 14 so he's talking to the Pharisees. Now he's just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to call everybody. So he called a multitude to him. He, and he called a multitude to himself and he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside that can defile him, but the things which come out from him. Those are the things that defile a man. Okay? Now, I want to explain to you the context of this is Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the disciples, and the multitude. All of them are not yet righteous. He's not talking to you and me who are new creations. Very interesting revelation. Then he goes on to say in verse 21, now he defines what comes out of the heart of men. Okay? From within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, come from within and defile a man. Now he's talking to people who are under the law. He's talking to people who choose obedience over covenant. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he removed the old man and he made you a new creation. He made you like Jesus. Jesus does not have issues like this this man, whoever this man is. Jesus does not have issues like that. He doesn't, he does not, from his heart does not proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. This is not from the heart of Jesus. If you are in Christ, you're born again, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, from your heart flows a fragrance of life. This is grace, ladies and gentlemen. We don't look at Christians, as people who have evil in their heart. We look at Christians, people who are saved, who are born again into the kingdom of God, who live in the in the in the doctrine or the covenant of grace. Not as people who are defiled. Their body is not defiled by what comes out of their heart. In fact, what is in their heart is the renewed mind, what is in their heart is, is a mind that has been renewed by the word of God, by the message of life. It has been renewed by the gospel of grace, not the, not the law. If the law is in your mind, you will always find fault. You will always fornicate. You will always have adulterous thoughts. You will have evil thoughts. You will have lewd thoughts. You will have all these things happening in your mind. Now, do Christians struggle with this? Yes, yes. And the reason why they struggle with it is because that's an area of their heart that is not submitted to God's word. That's an area of their mind. Every time the Bible says heart, he's not talking about the organ. It's 800 times in the Bible that the word says heart, but he's always talking about your mind. He's talking about the faculty that makes decisions. It's the center of your being. And so he says this, for what comes out of a man That defiles the man. Now as a Christian, you may be going through some of these thoughts. You might have adulterous thoughts. You might have just gotten saved. You might be having adulterous thoughts. You were addicted to pornography and you're still struggling with those things in your mind. But I want to tell you, that's not who you are. God has rescued you. The old man is on the cross. And now you're a new creation and you have to discover who that new creation. You've got to look on the inside and you've got to discover who this new creation you you don't have foolishness coming out of you you have wisdom coming out of you you're a new creation you have grace and truth you don't lie you speak the truth you don't cheat people in fact you bless people that's who you are a Christian a a new creation doesn't wake up thinking I'm going to kill somebody today no we don't (laughs) today i'm going to break all the laws no you don't in fact we love the government in fact we love the laws we we protect and honor the government that's that's who we are we wake up in the morning going yeah man We're, we're we're gonna bless somebody today that's a new creation it's not me it's not you this is not you he's talking to somebody else he's talking to people who choose obedience over covenant you and i are in a covenant. And I want you to go to Second Corinthians chapter two. I want to show you something beautiful. I preached this at Pastor Neil's church last week, but I just want to touch on it a little bit because you need to know what comes out of you. Second Corinthians chapter two from verses 14, and we'll read 14 and 15. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge. What comes out of you, <laughs> is not evil thoughts. As a new creation, in grace, what comes out of you is the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. If there are evil thoughts, if there are adulteries, if all that stuff happening in your mind, you've been focusing your mind, you've been filling your mind with a lot of stuff. Whatever you fill your mind in, that will rule your thought life. As a new creation, we've been given the knowledge of Christ. And every time we have the knowledge of Christ that renews our mind, God not even you you can't decide okay today i'm going to be a diffuser i'm going to diffuse the knowledge of christ wow i read my bible i'm going to preach i'm going to tell people no 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 ladies and gentlemen let's read on and he says now thanks be to god who always leads us always leads us in triumph which means we're not god does not lead us into battle okay this is really good God does not lead us into battle because the battle is already done. It's finished. God leads us in triumph, which means we're coming back on the victory lap. It's the victory lap, baby. That's what it's about. <laughs> and he says this, he leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In every place. In Every place. In every place could be your home. It could be church. It could be a club. It could be a bar. You could be in the desert going for a barbecue. It could be with your friends. None of your friends could be saved around you. You could be hanging out with them. And all of a sudden, without your permission, he doesn't need your permission. He just needs you to have the knowledge of Christ on the inside of you. And all of a sudden he begins to diffuse the knowledge, the fragrance of Christ all around you to a point where now people begin to experience God. See, what the old man, what was in his heart defiled his body. But the new creation man, what is in his heart redeems his body. This is very powerful. If you want to live long, you need the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. But it comes from a place of being in covenant with God. It comes from a place of pursuing God with a pure heart. See, he says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those, among those, not only Christians, okay, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Which means, Christians are being saved and people who are perishing, who don't have the knowledge of God, it's our responsibility to be amongst them. It's not, a, it's not our responsibility to run away from the darkness, it's our responsibility to be in the darkness. Wow, this, this world is so dark, yeah, exactly. That's where we need to be. Don't create rules and regulations, you can't hang out with that person, that you can't, have, they have bad habits and they're gonna influence you. If ye have taught your kids well, Trust them to make an influence. If your heart is one that pursues God's heart, if we have taught our people to pursue God's heart, if we have taught our children to pursue God's heart, then what comes out of them is the knowledge of Christ your kids, your people in church, our people in church will make more difference in the world than they would actually do sitting in the church. That's our responsibility. Why? It's because each and every person who is in Christ is not, does not have a direct covenant with God but is in the covenant of Christ with God. Christ was the one who, was, who had perfect obedience. But his obedience to God was because of a covenant that he made with God. It was a covenant in his blood. He made a covenant in his blood with God the Father. And that blood speaks a better word speaks a better word than pastors and leaders, speaks a better word than mums and dads and aunties and uncles, speaks a better word than elders and deacons and all of those kind of stuff and the fivefold ministers. He speaks, his blood speaks a better word for you and for me. That's why it's so important for us to be in Christ. It is in Christ that our covenant with God is secure. Jesus says in in the Beatitudes, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The new creation in Christ Jesus are pure in heart. We have a pure heart, man. You don't have an evil heart. You have a pure heart. You have a pure body. You have purity in your blood. This purity is not just it's not because of your of your works, it's because of what Jesus has done. That's grace for sure. But you have a responsibility to redeem this body. We have a responsibility each one redeems his own body. Each one focuses on on his own body or her own body. You don't focus on some body else (laughs) you focus on your body you have a responsibility to focus on your own body don't worry about other people that's god's job their conscience trust trust people even if they fail and you think they fail renew your mind because their failure is not your failure their failure is a stepping stone to success but your failure might really cause you to ridicule them and judge them. But guess what? Your judgment doesn't define them. Your judgment only poisons you. It defiles your body. So our responsibility as Christians as, as 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 the new creation who are being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. Our responsibility is to look at the generation, look at people around us as people who are being saved who are people who are in covenant with Christ people who have pure hearts John chapter 1 and verse 8 says no one has seen God face to face No one has seen God at any time. And I'm paraphrasing it now, except the one, the only begotten one, who was in the bosom of the Father. And he came and displayed the Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, where is Jesus today? Jesus has taken his throne on your heart. It's in your heart that if you offer your heart to God, he'll come and he'll inhabit your heart as his throne. And when he inhabits your heart as his throne, your heart becomes pure. Your heart as a new creation is pure before God. You are not looking for a blessing. You are not obeying God in order to be blessed and receive favor. You are obeying God because you are already blessed. And highly favored, and so today I want to bless you. I want to bless you because you are blessed and highly favored. I want to in, my heart's desires for you to increase in your blessing, and the way you increase in your blessing is by renewal of the mind. Now I've said a lot of things here today that might, you know, that might offend you or that might might feel like I'm I'm saying things that are condescending in nature. But I, I'm just revealing your heart to you. I'm not, I'm not judging you. Uh, if, if you believe white makes you holy, then that's, that's up to you. If you believe a suit makes, is what God accepts, then that's what you wear, but don't put it on other people. That's what I'm saying. Don't force me to wear white when I wear black all the time. I like black, but it doesn't mean that I have a black heart. I have a pure heart, and this is how we need to be we're free. We're not under the law, and we can't put people under the doctrines of men because they are not the commandments of God. God has a covenant with you because you are in Christ and in that covenant, he looks at you with a pure heart. Bless you in Jesus' name.